Ginger on ginger, ginger on ginger. Ginger has red hair, so does Alex. Hello and welcome to Ginger on Ginger, the show where two redhead comedians choose a word, phrase, or concept and then talk about it through their gingery lens. I'm Jacob Godby. And I'm Alex Tate. This week's episode is brought to you by the Berlin Wall. That's right, the Berlin Wall. With the 80s making a comeback in pop culture, fashion, and more, the good folks over at the Soviet Union have decided to re-erect the 80s' most controversial piece of architecture. But don't call this a nostalgia-baiting cash grab. The new Berlin Wall will feature interactive communist exhibits, chalkboards for the kids, and a hologram David Hasselhoff performing his iconic 1989 Freedom Tour live concert from atop the wall. Visit BerlinWall.com to get tickets. That's B-R-L-N-W-L-L.com to get tickets and secure your attendance to a piece of history for the second time. Alex. Well, I mean, (laughs) you're really proud of that, aren't you? I know the part you're most part of, and that's Berlin Wall spelled without any vowels. Uh, Yeah, a little bit. Also, (laughs) I actually did some research for that, and David Hasselhoff did, in fact... Do a concert atop the Berlin Wall. Oh, I was going to add a little piece of information. I believe someone might prove me wrong, but at the time, that was the biggest concert of all time. I don't know if that's still true. 500,000 people were there. Is David Hasselhoff alive? Yeah, he's still alive. Wow. Is he alive inside? I don't know, but but his, his physical body is alive still. Dang. We lost some good ones this year, but couldn't lose him, huh? Um, Give us a little recap, Alex. What have you been up to? Um, I was working. Now I'm not. That's a recurring theme of this podcast. <laughs> yep. 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 And um, how's, how's uh, your dating life to, to just go over all the recurring themes? Yeah, let's just go over all the recurring themes. Uh, no one will look at me. Um, they look upon me as you would look upon a blade of grass, which is just to say a thing that exists in this world. Um, and I don't want to have sex with it. So... Right. Not even with scorn or hatred, like how dare you be upon this earth, but just like, oh, that is that has existed my whole life. I need not engage. Exactly. That's what I mean. Yeah. Like complete <laughs> nothingness. Uh, uh, no, no interaction whatsoever. Um, you need to start telling ladies that you have a podcast. Yeah, that works. That'll help. One, it works 100 percent of the time. Absolutely. Um, I definitely don't hide it from every single person that uh, knew that I meet. What about you, Jacob? What are you up to? Um, what am I up to? I did a third season as a wedding DJ over the summer, and it was fine. I was probably my least favorite one so far. You were kind of there when I had a, a bad one in Bozeman. Just some really, really snooty, rich Texans who gave me my first bad review to my boss, and he uh, precisely told them to uh, shove it, which is good. I'm glad he stuck up for me because they were awful. Um, let's see. I had a girlfriend hey, for, for context. Like, sorry, yeah. for context really quick. These people rented out one of the nicest restaurants in Bozeman, like the entire yes. thing. It was a $50,000 tab at the end of the night and no DJ could possibly live up to the expectations of a $50,000 restaurant tab. So no, you can get Steve Aoki in there. Maybe for that amount of money, he might do it. <laughs> You know, you could get Steve Aoki to show up just in the middle of your field for 50000 or you can rent one meal per person for a restaurant. It's, yeah, I don't know. I don't tell people what to do with their money, uh, especially if some of it's going to me, but I would not have done that. <laughs> no, no, what a waste, waste of time and effort. Okay, anyway, you were saying. 
Oh, yeah. I had a girlfriend for nine months, and then I went to move to Ohio to be with her, and I got there, and I went, I don't like Ohio, and so now we are not together anymore. So that's that's kind of what's been up with me. I'm currently living with my parents, whoop, whoop, and just kind of saving up money, plotting the next phase of the old Godby life cycle. You want to do this thing? I think we should do this thing. Oh, sorry. Were you doing the... Sorry. Yeah, I thought we were doing an updated version. Never mind. I was doing the fly-in. Camera was flying in from the top of the theater. Here we are standing on the stage. We have a tux on. I was doing the MTV like 90s and the camera like turns like cribs and we're like 2023 is over gotcha maybe like a record scratch yeah, yeah. 2023 um welcome to the 2023 awards where two straight white men give their opinion on the media they consumed this year Woohoo! um you know no spoilers it was a pretty good year it was a good year um, it was an odd year, but, uh, yeah, nonetheless, we'll get into it. Uh, should we start with, uh, say top 10 movies of the year? How about that? Yeah, sure. Start at 10 and, uh, go backwards. Yes. Okay. Number 10 for me, Bottoms. Oh, I haven't seen that. It is good. It's basically, uh, lesbian fight club, super bad. <laughs> and, uh, It was good. It was not the revelatory comedy that I was expecting based on some of the reviews online. However, I enjoyed it, and I enjoyed it even a little bit more because I made my mom go to it with me. (laughs) That's great. That's always lovely. Um, I wanted to preface this by saying uh, I haven't seen The Holdovers, Saltburn, or The Boy and the Heron. I have not either. All three of those movies I think I'll really like, and they came out this year, Um, and I haven't seen them, so... Just take that with a grain of salt. Um, okay, my number 10 is John Wick number four. A solid action movie. Um, does everything correctly. And I feel like it just wrapped the story up very nicely. I've seen all the other John Wicks, and they're not that great. Um, but this one was as almost as good as John Wick number one, which is uh, high praise. Nice. Number nine for me, Barbie. It was funny. It was fun. I don't really know what else to say about it. Everyone has seen it. It was good. That is my number three. I loved Barbie so much. Uh, It subverted all my expectations. I went to it like a week later and had to hear all the like Republican pundits (laughs) lose their shit like Jesse Waters. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Men are being dehumanized in this Barbie movie. And I went there and I was like, you know, fully expecting them to be wrong. And they were. But it was more like, uh, to me, it, it said, if you see yourself as the men in this movie, good. Because it is directed at you. And it is anti-you, if that makes sense. Like, it's anti-those shitty men. Yeah, it really does not get more clear than America Ferreira's, like, feminist speech in the like, yeah. third act of the movie. And that's They really just spell out the thesis statement of the whole thing and yeah it's funny and yeah it's flashy but uh you know they they really do just tell you what the movie is about yeah yeah really good that was my number three that was jacob's number nine my number nine is joyride nice that is my number two that's your number two 
All right. Number right. two. I I'll loved, tell you why in a minute. But you yeah, I loved it. I I really really enjoyed it. Um, it it made me nostalgic. Maybe I should say yeah. of of movies that were just made for comedy purposes and will win no awards, but are almost infinitely quotable. And all the characters are great. Everyone's performances are very funny and very good. Uh, I loved. I loved it. I loved. I had. A, I had a bunch of fun with that movie. Yeah. It also made me nostalgic for a time where I went to the movies more often to. To see the same movie more than once. Uh, I saw this one twice in theaters this year with two different friend groups. And then I watched it again recently, making my parents watch it because I thought they would enjoy it. And everyone did. And honestly, the last time I saw a comedy that many times in theaters was like 22 Jump Street. So about 10 years ago. So yeah, yeah, Joyride ranks highly for me. Like you said, it isn't really... I mean, it has a lot to say about like identity and things like that. But it is also just funny. It's not asking too much of you. No, yeah, it. I, I loved every second of it. All right, Jacob, you're number eight. Blackberry. Did you see this one? No, I haven't even heard of this. What? It is the story of Blackberry, the company that made smartphones. Surely that cannot be that interesting. It's pretty good. The guy who did, um, oh shit, I can't think of it. He does like he ran like an Adult Swim show, like an obscure one. He like directed it and co-stars in it. Um, like Aqua Teen, no, Force, or Robot Chicken? We know who no, ran Robot Chicken. Let me look it up. Now that you let me look it up. Do, 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 directed by Matt Johnson, who made Nirvana, the band, the show. Okay. And Excellent. it stars Jay Baruchel and Glenn Howerton from It's Always Sunny, who plays Dennis. And let me tell you, he has a bald cap. And his rage is dialed up to, like, 12. It's like he's more restrained than Dennis in some parts, and other parts uh, he is not. But he's playing an actual person, so that's fun, too. Um, I mean, but, yeah, it's basically the story of Blackberry's uh, rise and fall. Glenn Howardson has some of the best fake rage I've ever seen. I'm not so sure that it's fake. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's what I mean. Like It's, it's coming from a real spot. Uh, if you listen to the It's Always Sunny podcast, it's just yeah. him. That's just him. He gets yeah. really, really mad about really benign <laughs> Well, what was your number eight, Alex? <laughs> uh, D&D, Honor Among Thieves, the D&D movie. I had so much fun, and mainly because I believe who whoever wrote that movie, I didn't look it up, I could, it takes four seconds, uh, really played D&D. There were some really inside jokes in that movie that if you didn't play D&D, you it would go right over your head but holy cow there were some great jokes from like one of the characters in-depthly describing a super complicated puzzle and then one of the other characters just finding a solution to it in 0.2 seconds uh to like whoever plays the paladin just being a self-righteous self-righteous asshole it was great i loved it i loved every second of it it was perfect that one is number 16 on my list i enjoyed it a lot as well watched it with my mom recently we laughed and you know it was good. Chris Pine, uh, I think, is the most reliable of the Chris's. For sure. For sure. For sure. Uh, apparently, Chris Pratt is voicing everything, um, and he just needs to be the voice of America. And uh, Chris Evans, uh, I don't actually like, like him as an actor. And Chris Hemsworth is great, but limited because he's so hot. True. True. He's so hot. 
you can't get you can't look at anything else other than Chris how Pine. You is. could like walk into a bar and play pool with Chris Hemsworth uh, owns the bar and is looking down on you. Yeah, I I do want to say that Chris Pine is smoking hot. Yeah, but in a more like rugged way, a little more all American. Sure, 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 sure. Okay. My number seven, Skinamarink. Uh, technically released in 2022, but I saw it in 2023. It's just like an experimental horror movie that has very little dialogue, lots of film grain, and like three jump scares across 90 minutes. And it was legitimately terrifying. I saw it in theaters with a f- packed house, and at one point people were crying. Uh, the ending, someone literally just went, no. That is not okay. <laughs> so uh, it was good. I wouldn't really, you really have to buy in. You know, some horror movies have a really steep, like, learning curve. And I would say this one is very steep. But if you buy in, it's a good time. That sounds awful, man. You you literally just said someone was crying in the theaters and someone was having an existential crisis. And then the next line out of your mouth was, it was good. Yeah, it was an experience. I don't know what to tell you. It was good. I enjoyed it. Sounds terrible. Um. Number seven uh, is a made-for-Netflix movie based off a TV show that no one really watched. But I watched it, and the movie that came afterwards is very good. It is called Luther, The Fallen Son. Uh, It is a very long episode of the show Luther with Idris Elba. Uh, It's a, like, whodunit murder mystery type thing, which I have come to realize I really like that shit. And this was very well done. I've watched also every episode of Luther, and this was just essentially an hour and 40-minute episode of that. And it was um, really well done. It had action. Idris Elba, great. As always, I could listen to him speak about anything. I love his voice. So I, I really enjoyed it. My mom and I watched Idris Elba in Hijack, Apple TV show. And uh, it did not make my top 10, but it was pretty good. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Yeah, I was I, when we were making this, I looked up lists and that was on a lot of people's lists. I didn't I haven't seen a single episode of it, but yeah. Some of the most like effective like episode to episode cliffhangers I've seen in a long time. Nice. All right, Jacob, your number 6. Polite Society. I don't know this one. Not to be mistaken for Private Society, which I keep calling it, which is a porn website. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, Literally, when it was at the Roxy, I texted Michael and I said, do you want to go see Private Society? And he said, I don't know what that is. And I was like, <laughs> ah, wrong thing, wrong thing. I, I met Polite Society. Do not Google it. Do not Google it. It's a British Indian action comedy about a girl who wants to be a stuntman. Um, and okay. then it, it takes a hard turn outside of hot rod territory when her sister marries a man who may or may not be harvesting the perfect organism to carry his child. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Excellent. That sounds like it's all over the place. That sounds wonderful. It really is. Totally, it's everywhere, but it's a lot of fun. And um, I don't know, it's this director's first ever thing. So I'm excited to see what she does next. Oh, wonderful. And um, my number six is The Killer, recently released on Netflix with Michael Fassbender. It is the only way I can describe it is like a super minimal action movie. Um, the character is somewhat reminiscent of Barry. It's, uh, an assassin who is constantly fighting his own emotions and his empathy towards people. He's, you just hear an inner dialogue about him trying to push his empathy away as he kills people. There are long sections without any action. And then the action that does happen is very, very, very intense with like no music and stuff like that. Uh, it's like a minimalist action movie. 
I, I really enjoyed it. It's also based on a graphic novel, and you can kind of tell that. There's some strange sort of decisions made in that movie, but that's okay. It's based on a graphic novel. It was great. Yeah, I haven't seen that one yet, but it's directed by David Fincher, who did like Gone Girl, Fight yeah. Club. Yeah. So, you know, if you like his stuff, go watch it. Folks. Yeah, yeah. The, ver- the very first scene is so cool. It's 20 minutes or 15 minutes of just like the coolest, like the coolest scene I've seen this year. It's awesome. Nice. What's your number five? My number five is uh, Suzume. It is a Japanese uh, anime movie directed by the same guy that did like Call Me By Your Name and Weathering With You. Uh, If you are familiar with these movies, this is just his next film. They're often sort of wild, semi-based in reality, but clearly with tones of like some magic fantasy wonderland. The animation is utterly gorgeous possibly the prettiest traditional animation i've ever seen in my life um it was just a lovely story it's fun it's they're kind of meant for for kids or like young teens or something like that i think it's rated pg but it was really really lovely it's about some guy who's trying to stop two alternate dimensions from colliding into each other and he gets turned into a chair and then it's up to this girl suzume to try to return him to his body while he's a sentient chair. <laughs> I saw the trailer for that one, but I have not seen the movie, but it, it sounds really good. It's great. It was it was a lot of fun. Uh, my number five, Alex, is Oppenheimer, not to be confused with the porn website Sloppenheimer. Great. Wonderful. This movie didn't make my list because I didn't like it, so I'm interested to see what I, we'll discuss. Please. Um, I don't know. I just liked it. <laughs> uh there were like two really long, weighty dramas this year, and it was Oppenheimer and Killers of the Flower Moon. Yeah. And I had a better time watching Oppenheimer, perhaps because it was just, I don't want to say it was like an easier watch, but uh, narratively, I'm more compa- I don't know. I don't know what to say about it. I really liked it. Uh, I thought Killian Murphy did a great job. I thought that his wife, I think Emily Blunt, uh, did a great job. Um, the only weak link I thought was uh, Benny Safdie, <laughs> who like seems like he was flown in from another movie. But I don't know. I liked it. What, what did you not like about it? It It's too goddamn long. And I, I truly mean this. No movie on planet Earth should be over three hours. And it was... I don't know. It was hard for me to get over... It was hard to me for me to feel bad for him at any point. And I think the movie really wanted me to feel bad for him because he got accused of communism, which he shouldn't have been and all that stuff. And he got vilified. But at the same time, he should be vilified for making the bomb. He shouldn't be vilified for his political beliefs, which were or were not true. But it and I didn't believe all the BS where he felt all bad. He was like, they told me they wouldn't use the bomb and then they used the bomb. And then you're like, yeah, also the complete lack of representation from a single Asian person at any waking second in that movie, especially a Japanese person would have been very nice, but no, we got none of that. So yeah, I'm not going to argue with you on that point, uh, but I didn't feel bad for him and I don't really think it does ask you to. I think it's more of a character portrait than it is like a narrative film, if that makes sense. True. True. Uh, but uh, main, main, yeah. main, main, problem with it is way too long it's it's un unholy yeah. long, long and shout out to the cheesiest line reading of the year when uh at the end <laughs> robert downey jr says like and who is it and it just zooms in on the other guy and he goes 
John F. Kennedy. <laughs> <laughs> true, true, true. I didn't like that. Um, it, I almost felt Christopher Nolan was building his American history universe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The next one's going to be JFK. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. He's and he go, yeah, welcome to my MCU, but it's just real stuff. I could see that. I could see that. He's also British, so you know, let Americans make American movies, bro. Yeah, I don't care. Any, you know, <laughs> no, I don't really care either. Um, Alex, my number four, because mm. you did your number five, right? Mm, mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, yes. All right. My number four was Theater Camp. Okay, I've I saw the trailer for this, but I haven't seen it, and everyone really seemed to enjoy it. It's just really likable. I don't know. It's funny. It's got heart. It's got a decent story. And as someone who didn't necessarily go to theater camp, but definitely hung out with theater kids, a lot of it is very applicable. Uh, You know, things that I've experienced in my lifetime, lots of inside jokes that I, you know, made sense to me because I am a nerd. I'm just not quite to the level that some of the kids are in the movie. But yeah, I don't know. It was really good. I enjoyed it a lot. Lovely. Lovely. Uh, My number four was uh, The Creator. As as a as a through line for what Alex consumed in 2023, it was an, an ungodly amount of science fiction, um, and I thought this was just fantastic. Now I did take 12 milligrams worth of edibles in the <laughs> theater, and there was like nine people in the theater, so I got to just get real weird and have a total blast. I I loved it. The visuals are stunning it made me re-believe in cgi in this modern era because some of the cgi i've seen in this modern era is really really awful and the story was whatever i don't care the spectacle was just so phenomenal and the story was good it was good enough and compelling enough for me to watch but the spectacle was unbelievable it was the most fun i've had watching a movie all year all right uh my number three was barbie so uh jacob your number three are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't seen this, and it's a mistake. Uh, it's like super high up on basically every single website. Has it either like one or two? Uh, everyone that I know that's seen it is says it's absolutely fantastic. Please enlighten us. It's great. I'm here for Rachel McAdams moving from leading woman to mom, and she wears basically like... 80s mom jeans the whole movie oh some Uh, like high-waisted butt huggers yeah hello good morning i'm having a great time and that's not the only reason it's good but (laughs) but no uh, but it is the first thing you said i had no idea there was like a religious angle to the story because i don't think i ever read the book but yeah it's about a girl who like is going to school and like wants to get her period but also her dad is jewish and i did not realize that and so um One side of her family is trying to pull her to Judaism. One side is trying to pull her to Christianity. And she's in the middle and she's like, I don't like any of them. And and so I really enjoyed that. It kind of spoke to me a little bit. Um, It's also going to be so embarrassing for the girls in it to watch when they grow up. Because it's just like 11-year-olds saying like, I must, I must, I must increase my bust. And so someday they're going to become like... Nineteen Amazing. and look back and be like, "Oh, why did I do that?" Yeah, <laughs> I, I told. I, I mean, I told my mom that they made that into a movie, and she's like, "I have to see it." She read the book a long time ago. It I was think. really good. I liked it a lot. My number two was Joyride. What was your number two, Alex? My number two is, and this makes me think I know what your number one is, but I don't know. My number two is Dicks the Musical. 
That is my number one. <laughs> All right. I know what your number one is now, too. But go yes, ahead. Let's talk about dicks. Oh, man. Oh, man. I, I want to preface this with just a small story. Uh, me and Jacob went to Fort Collins for a little trip, a little scouting trip. Doesn't matter. He said, before we left, he said, do you want to go see Dicks the Musical? Literally nothing else other than that. In text form, do you want to go see Dicks the Musical? And I went, yeah, I'll go see it. I never <laughs> I don't looked even know it what up. it is. <laughs> I never looked it up. I didn't know who was in it. I didn't know anything about it. I mean, I trust Jacob's pretty wholeheartedly we got to fort collins we went to the alt theater they have there which was fantastic by the way as we were pulling in there we were the only car in the parking lot one other car a very fancy bmw with an older woman stepped out uh and jacob made a little side joke he was like it would be hilarious if this old lady came to watch dicks the musical with us and sure enough in the theater it was me jacob and an old rich lady and she was wonderful <laughs> She was super nice. Um, worth noting that our theater was tiki-themed. Yes. So we watched Dicks the Musical in a tiki-themed theater, but this movie is written by and starring uh, two supremely gay men from yeah. UCB, New York. And the music is funny. Megan the Stallion is in it. Megan Mullally is in it. But the... Uh, the winning role goes to Nathan Lane, who plays one of the characters' fathers. I really don't want to spoil it because when this is like widely available, I think it's really going to take off. Yes, and you just you come back to this podcast after you see Nathan Lane's scene with some pieces of ham. That's all I'm going to say. You know, you'll know, you'll know, and then you come back and be like, "Wow, they were right. That is hilarious. It is the hardest I laughed in theaters this year, and just like not a movie to watch." With your family over the holidays. More like on your phone or your laptop when you're alone. <laughs> or with your um, young, very open-minded, cool friends. Yes, yes. If you have queer friends, round them up, watch this movie. It. I contemplated asking them to pause the movie because I was worried I was going to miss the next scene because I was laughing so fucking hard at what was currently happening on screen. And we weren't even high. <laughs> no, completely sober. Three people in the theater, two 30-year-olds, and one 67-year-old. <laughs> Is your number one, did it come out this year? It did. Okay, I think that it's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It's not Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It didn't but make my top ten either, but I really liked it. I loved Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and you all you need to do is go sideways from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It's Across the Spider-Man. Spider yeah, 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 yeah. There we go. Okay. Um, Across the Spider-Verse blew my tits clean off. Um, it is <laughs> the best animated movie I've ever seen, bar none. It is the greatest animation I have ever seen, bar none. Uh, I, I loved it. It was so much fun. It, the soundtrack was spectacular. Heck, Euler. Everybody crushed it. I can't wait. I hope they, they at the very end of the movie, they put Beyond the Spider-Verse, which is the third one, coming March 2024. And immediately, all the animators and all the voice actors were like, that's not even close. <laughs> to not happening. That, that yeah. won't even be remotely close. The first one took nine years to make. The second one took five years to make. So even with advancements in technology, it's going to take them a long time. And I hope yeah. they take all the time they need. I was blown away. I loved it. Uh, should we move on to television shows? Uh, yes. How many do you have? Did you get 10? I got 10. 
And I okay. didn't. And I actually, there was more. I actually had to trim this down. I when I first started making this list, I was like, I can't fill this list. And then I was like, Oops, I can definitely fill this list. Cool. Why don't you get us started since I started the last one? All right, my number ten again. A huge. This is not gonna relent for a long t- for this whole entire list is sci-fi. My number ten is Star Trek: Strange New Worlds season two. Uh, it would be the production quality is so amazing. It looks like the Star Trek movies, which I also think are all fun and cool, but in TV show form. And they're hours. They're at one hour long. Uh, the production value is super high. I have no idea who's footing this bill because I don't think anyone is watching this show, but it is fantastic. <laughs> People should be watching it, but it's only on Paramount+. Plus. Uh, so I don't, I don't know who's watching this show, but it's really hmm. good. Uh, my number 10 is Extraordinary. Nice. Or Extraordinary, which is an Irish comedy on Hulu. And it's basically... The world we live in, except that everybody has, like, a superpower. Some are like, you know, you can summon milk from the refrigerator across the room. And some right. are like, you can fly or you have super strength. And basically the uh, the lead gal does not have hers yet, and she's worried that she'll never get it. Um, I just want to briefly describe my favorite joke in it, Alex. It's sure. A, <laughs> it's a man that when you touch him, you have an orgasm. And... <laughs> Wonderful. He describes <laughs> he describes finding his father having a heart attack, and he went he goes to like grab him and try and help him, and his dad uh, basically comes to death. <laughs> Number nine, Jury Duty, season one, probably the only season on Amazon Prime. Uh, this kid gets summoned for jury duty, documentary style. He does not know that he is on a comedy show, but all of the other jurors are improv comedians and also there's james marsden who's playing himself and he's just playing like a huge dick he's just like he's self-absorbed like he'll like order lunch and then walk away with it and expect someone else to pay for it (laughs) um and this guy's just the guy they found that's playing that is doesn't know what he's like he's on tv uh is just one of the nicest guys out there he he really helps out some weirdos and the they have like an episode at the end where they explain how they did all of it. And it was really enjoyable. It was funny and heartwarming. Nice. Nice. I have seen just the highlights of this show. I've seen enough clips of it, but I I haven't actually sat down and watched a single episode of the show, but I know the entire premise and I think it's just fantastic. Um, All right. My number nine is I think you should leave season three. Nice. That is my number two. (laughs) Oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Jumping way up there. I, I really loved it. I don't. I didn't love it as much as season one or season two. I mean, I think it's the worst of the seasons. But that being said, that's it's still great. It's still very funny. I laughed many, many times. The quotability is insane. I think we should be allowed to watch a little porn at work. They, they, they have nailed um, this generation's like attention span and this generation's. Uh, like fervor for quotable things that they can put on TikTok slash Instagram. Yeah, I completely agree. I would say definitely like the baseline of all the sketches is a little lower this season um, than the first two, but uh, it was great. And 
uh, one of my friends that works at the Roxy in Missoula had a screening of it the opening night uh, that it came out on Netflix. Oh, that's But fun. it was like after the Roxy closed. So we all showed up at like 1130 at night and watched all six episodes. Oh, <laughs> and, that's uh, fucking awesome. Yeah, it was a great time. I, I'm really glad that I got to see it that way. And then uh, it's a show that gets better as you rewatch it. The first Definitely. time you might not be able to like crack the language that it's speaking, but then you watch it again and you're like, oh, that that actually is funny. The patterns are so complicated. It, <laughs> it's great. I actually hated that sketch, and now I can't walk past complicated patterns without screaming the patterns are so complicated. Or, God forbid, someone wears like a kind of loud shirt in public. Yeah. I'm just going to like berate that person. Okay, uh, my number eight is The Mandalorian Season 3. More sci-fi. Uh, I loved it. It has... The story was a lot better in season three than season two, and it had a lot of Bo-Katan, which is a uh, female lead for those who have absolutely no idea what's going on, and she did really, really well, and she has also a f- absolutely fantastic dump truck ass, which that was lovely. <laughs> I'm sure and, that's why they put her in the show for you. Yeah, I, I mean, I hope she has a CDL. She's got to drive that bus around town. Um <laughs> It was it was a ton of fun. I I keep I hope they keep going with it. It's it's really really good. John Favreau is crushing it. My number eight is Telemarketers season one on Max. Have you heard of this, Alex? I have heard of it from you, and I actually saw the trailer before you told me about it, and I said that looks fantastic, and then I didn't watch it. I don't know what I'm doing with my time. It's but yeah. like a really lo-fi documentary that slowly becomes more fi as it. As it goes on, but uh, basically this guy was a telemarketer and he used to just take a camera to work and he worked with criminals uh, and one of the like co-leads that ends up becoming a main character is named Pat J. Pespis and he literally just like does heroin at work, but he crushes it. He's just like closing all the deals and then they start looking into what are we actually selling and it just kind of unravels from there. I don't want to give away too much, but it's really good. It it seems fantastic. I really need to get on that. Watched it with my parents as well, and they enjoyed it. What was your number seven? The Righteous Gemstones Season 3. You don't like this show, but uh, I like it. And this season had Steve Zahn playing the head of a militia. And it was a little more focused than Season 2. I think I like Season 2 more overall, but there was kind of one main plot, and they just dealt with that. And that was kind of refreshing to just, let's just shoot down a straight line and wrap up the story. So what was your number seven? My number seven was Ted Lasso season three. Cool. It was good. I I don't know. I liked it, but it didn't make my list and I'm sorry. Oh no, that's okay. It, uh, it wrapped up everything about as neatly as I thought they could have with their short amount of time. You know, they, Mm -hmm. uh, the show really wasn't on for that long and didn't have that many episodes. And some of the episodes are straight throwaways, but, um, I still really enjoyed it and it, it still made me smile and I still couldn't wait for the next episode to come out. So with all those, it made me smile and I was waiting for the next episode to come out. I thought, well, it's good enough to be on this list then. Yeah. I definitely enjoyed it more than season two because as you said, there were not two completely throwaway episodes. Right. <laughs> I was a little frustrated that Rebecca basically was just like trying to find a man to love the whole season, but I appreciated once again that it, the story was a little more focused than season two. Ted Lasso to me will always be season one because that was like the thesis statement of the show. 
And then after it became super popular, they kind of had to break the show and become an ensemble comedy, which is totally fine. I still like it, but I don't think it'll ever, I don't think it ever did go back to the like taught focused program that it was. Right. Season one is spectacular. My number six was back to Star Wars. It was Ahsoka. Um, the fans des- demanded that Rosario Dawson be cast as Ahsoka, and we got it. She was spectacular. My only complaints, like even if you're not a Star Wars nerd, you had to watch four seasons of a Disney XD show <laughs> in order to understand what was going on, and I didn't do that. But luckily, there's like YouTube recaps. Uh, and I watched like a half an hour YouTube recap to recap the whole thing. Again, the visuals are so spectacular. I thought all the female leads were so cool. I can't, I can't wait for season two. I loved it, even though the main baddie uh, unfortunately passed away from anaphylactic shock while on set of a different movie. So they'll have wow. to recast the new main baddie. But it is what it is. My number six, Alex, was The Gentle Art of Swedish Death Cleaning, season one. There you go. There you go. I haven't watched this. My mother is painfully obsessed with it and won't talk to me about anything else. For people who are unfamiliar, the art of Swedish death cleaning is basically cleaning out your belongings and your home and giving things a new home or just throwing them away before you die so that your family doesn't have to deal with it after you pass away. It is sort of a queer eye, but it's a little bit like Marie different. Kondo. Yeah, Marie yeah, Kondo-y. yeah. Exactly, but they but like Queer Eye, each episode focuses on a different person and a different house, and some people are like on the precipice of death, some people are just old, some people are just people, and they really break it down. They have an interior designer, they have an organizing expert, and then they have yeah. like a psychologist, and I really liked it. And I, I they their thesis statement is like. Americans are weird about death. We need to talk about it more. We need to not mystify it. Yeah. And in that respect, I think they succeeded. I, I am less afraid than death of death than I was when I watched a show on Peacock. Nice. Nice. Yeah. My mom, <laughs> my mom's really into it and it's really good. It, it's, it's been really, really nice. She's just been like going through her crawl space and stuff like that and finding stuff of mine. And she asked me if I want it and I say no. And she's like, cool. I'm just, donating it like it's just gone you know and i feel like this is really good she can kind of lighten her load so she can then live the rest of her time which hopefully is many years but she can live the rest of her time you know kind of stress-free yeah i love it i'm a big fan my number five the bear season two nice uh that is my number one cool it's good it was really good i watched it all in like two days Yeah, I mean, it just kind of grabs you and keeps going. One thing I'll say that I liked more about season two than season one is a few of the characters win in this season. There's like good things that happen to people. Season one just kind of beats you over the head with negativity the whole time. Season two beats you over the head with negativity most of the time. But there's a few little like, oh, some of these characters are are not just, I don't know. They started to care about the characters a little more themselves. You know, They, they started to... Like Richie, for example, has a has a really nice arc in season two. Uh, I loved it. I yes, Richie's episode is fantastic. I like that he actually got a win, and we learned a little bit more about why he is the way he is. I enjoyed 
I I enjoyed the fact that Carmi doesn't get a win because I don't think he deserves a win. I think he's actually not that great of a person. I think he can't become a good person, but, you know, at least in the show arc, I thought they were going to wrap this up with him just all going smoothly, and it for sure doesn't, and I think that's great. And then the Feast of the Seven Fishes, or whatever it's called, I'm not religious, is probably the single greatest episode of television I've ever seen. Yeah, um, it was really good, and Jamie so, Lee Curtis just turning in work well beyond her pay grade. <laughs> oh my goodness, Jamie Lee Curtis is so spectacular. John Barenthal is so spectacular. That movie, the cameos, or that show, the cameos are outrageous. It, it, uh, I I could just like gush about that one episode. I I That one episode basically made it my number one TV show of the year. Yeah, yeah, it's a great episode. Um, my number five is a show that was introduced to me this year, and then I watched all four seasons, including the season that came out this year, uh, introduced by friend of the pod, Sean Kirkpatrick, another Star Trek show, but this one is called Lower Decks. Ah, it, this is a funny one. Yes, it is the comedy about all the lower workers on these giant ships, but it the best thing about this show, again, for Star Trek nerds, is it is 100% canon. And that leads for to some really interesting things. I loved every second of it. There's even a crossover for your big old dweebs from Lower Decks to Strange New Worlds. It was a ton of fun. I, I, it was so great. I honestly thought when you talked about, like, I watched all the seasons that came out before, I thought you were about to say Suits. And I was like, Alex, do not put suits on your top 10 TV shows no, of the su- year. Suits isn't on the list, for which is incredible because that's easily the most hours I put into a show this year. <laughs> All right. My number four was a show I started with you, Jacob, and has close. I, I just praised Across the Spider-Verse for the greatest animation I've ever seen. And this show got really, really close. It is Scavenger's Reign. Oh, yeah. Interesting show. Interesting show. It it was a like super sh- the animation style is very very unique and the creativity on display in for those that don't know it's about uh, it's a sci-fi show about people who are marooned on a planet and the planet is funky weird shit happens on this planet and that's basically it and they're trying to get off the planet it is not plot heavy it's more like a visual feast for your eyeballs and it was a short, it was like a three minute clip on YouTube like eight years ago. And the artist, I don't know how they do it. I don't, they were very persistent and they got it all the way to HBO Max to produce an entire show in this sort of hand drawn style that it is. It's lovely. I, it, it's, it's almost like a peaceful show, even though, you know, adrenaline pumping things do happen. It's, it's a very peaceful show for most of the time. Yeah, a lot of the visuals are really meditative as well. And like the color palette is colorful, but like not bright. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's just fantastic to look at. That's the main point of the show, but that's worth it enough. Just watch it just to look at it. My number four is Dave, season three. You mentioned that the bear had good cameos. Dave, I think, wins the cameo awards for the year. Dude, that didn't make my list, and I even I even thought Dave about it. season three didn't make your list. No, I even thought I, I even I was like, oh, I definitely watched Dave this year, and I really really enjoyed. That's how much I I this was a year for Alex and his TV shows, and I really like the TV shows I like. So, <laughs> but I loved it. It was so so good. I can, I have only praise for it. There's tons of great cameos, but the the best one uh, this season is the episode 
that Brad Pitt is in the entire episode of where yes. him and Dave get taken hostage by a sort of crazed fan. And I don't know. It's just a show that has a lot to say about like millennial romance. It has a lot to say about social media. It has a lot to say about the music industry. And despite how annoying the main character has been across three seasons, somehow I keep watching and I keep really enjoying. It's, it's a show with an unbelievable amount of heart. Yeah. Considering how annoying and who is writing this show. <laughs> it's so great. In the final episode with Brad Pitt, uh, fucked me up, man. It was so good. It's really good. My number three, Alex. Yeah. Succession season four. Oh, I haven't seen one second of one episode of this show. Succession is great. It's about a company owned and operated by an old man and his three children who are vying to take his place when he leaves, but he won't leave except in this latest season, he does leave and uh, chaos ensues. It was really good. It's really tense. It's funny at times. It's heart wrenching at times. It is just a, like an example of classic HBO. It's, it's what they do best. Yeah. Yeah. Good. I mean, literally everyone in this country likes that show. I, I feel, I feel like one of the people that hasn't watched game of Thrones. I haven't seen a single episode of the show and I tell people that and they look at me like I have a third eye on my forehead. You haven't seen succession. I haven't seen game of Thrones. It's okay. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Um, my number three is I just saw it just recently and I don't know why I didn't assume it was going to blow me away. I was, it's the new Scott Pilgrim show on Netflix. Oh, I haven't watched it yet, but it's on my list. Fuck. It's good. It's so good. It takes place in like an alternate universe The first episode is like almost a shot-for-shot remake of the opening to the movie, and I was very confused because I thought, I got really confused, and I thought, is this just an animated version of the movie? What's going on? And then it takes a left turn, and they explain it, and it's so cool. It's so cool. The music is still fucking awesome. They have so much. They just seem like they have a blast. They make super meta jokes about Edgar Wright the entire time. It's great. Uh, It's on my list. I just am waiting until I'm not living with my parents to watch it because I don't think that they would like it. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. It's it's really weird. It's it's like an American anime is essentially what it is. It's hmm. all 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 people involved are American and yet it's shot, it's shot and the plot line is that of like an anime. It's kind of I, odd. It's great. I'm not certain that my parents saw the movie either, so <laughs> I don't really want to do the homework to educate them just to get them to watch it and not like it. So yeah, it'll be a, one I watch next year for sure. It's a really hard explanation without seeing the movie first. See the movie before you see the t- TV show for sure. Well, we know what your number one is, Alex. What was your number two? My number two is a show I th- I've seen a couple people talk about, but really not that many. And I, it almost made me cry is Drops of God. Oh, you told me to watch that. I started it with my mom and we got about 20 minutes in and then something came up and we have not gone back, but please tell me more. Sell it to me. Okay. I'll give you, I'll give you the rundown of the show. A woman is contacted because her estranged father that she hasn't spoken to in 15 years has died and he has named her in the will. We get a couple of flashbacks and we learn that her father seemed pretty emotionally abusive to her. And was a kind of a piece of shit. And there's a reason she didn't speak to him for 15 years. She's now an adult. And um, 
she can't drink any alcohol because the flavors are too intense and it makes she's a hemophiliac and she'll get a bloody nose and then her nose will start to bleed and she can't stop it. She goes to the will reading and and one man that she has never met in her life, a Japanese man, is there. And the will reads, your father has the greatest wine collection on the planet, not in quantity, but in quality. It's worth $145 million. I'm going to give you three tests and whoever about wine, and whoever passes these three tests gets the, gets the whole shebang. And the man. Japanese man was this woman's father's student, and he was a... a uh, Sommelier. The show goes on from there. What's so fantastic about it is it's such a cool premise. I don't think it's very realistic and that's fine, but the premise is so cool and they have to describe flavors, something, you know, across a visual medium. And the mm. way they go about that and the way they have her drinking wine and then trying to figure out what what wine it is and how they portray that visually, I think is just spectacular. In the meantime, she gets to know the Japanese boy. She has to confront her trauma with her shitty father, all this stuff. It's great. It's so, so wonderful. I loved every second of it. Okay. That sounds really good. I'll go back to it with my mom. What was your number two? My number two was, I think you should leave season three. Oh, right. Your number one was the bear. My number one, Paul T. Goldman. I've not even heard of this. This is your number one? I haven't even (laughs) heard of this. So, it's a lot. Paul T. Goldman is an American true crime comedy documentary miniseries directed by Jason Walliner, who directed Human Giant, if you remember the Rob Riggle, Paul Shiraziz Ansari sketch show. Definitely remember that, yes. So, basically, this guy, Paul Finkelman, or Paul T. Goldman, uh, wrote a book about his wife's infidelity and he self-published the book and then he wrote a screenplay about it. And that's when uh, the director kind of got wind of it is he like tweeted at him and was like, Hey, I want someone to adapt my screenplay or my book. I already wrote the screenplay. And so they started talking and the main guy, Paul T Goldman is an eccentric uh, really odd dude. And so they started making his movie. And then the so director... Is this, I'm sorry, is this, a, this is a documentary about making a movie about a strange man named Paul T. Goldman and his wife's infidelity. This is a, a documentary about a movie, right? Is that what I'm hearing? It's a documentary about the man, is what it becomes. It's At first it starts about, let's make this movie. It, it was supposed to just be a movie. Uh, okay. But as the director interviews him more and more and he learns more and he pries a little more, he starts to f- unravel uh, this man's story that he has pitched as autobiographical and he starts confronting him with actual facts. And it's fascinating what unravels this from there. sounds spectacular. It's on Peacock. I can't really give much away. It is hilarious. It's super funny. It's cringy at points. It's heart-wrenching at points. I wish I could tell you more. I can't because I don't want to give anything away. It's every episode has like some new revelation where you're like, what? 
And I, the only other person I know that watched it is Sean Kirkpatrick. And Sean texted me like every episode. No, that no, no way. <laughs> that can't happen. <laughs> and um, as we know, Sean doesn't have any dramatic reactions to. Things. No, 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 not at all. And I'm sorry, friend of the pod, Sean. Yeah, friend of the pod, Sean. <laughs> um. Okay, let's move on to what it, what was your book of the year? What was your book my book of the, of the year? year? I didn't read a lot of books this year, unfortunately, and oh, the ones funny, that I did. I read a bunch this year. I read more than I have since I was like twelve. Oh well, good for you. I have one book on my list. I'm currently reading it, Great Falls by Reggie Watts. Yay! It's uh, fascinating to just read his take on growing up in Great Falls. It's just a lot of places I've been, and a lot of feelings I've felt. That's fantastic. Um. My I I only picked one. I've read a bunch of books. Uh, again, Alex consumed a lot of sci-fi this year. Is Wool. This book for sure did not come out this year. It has been out for a while. In fact, it got turned into a TV show. But I will not watch the TV show until I read all the books now. Um, Wool by Hugh Howie. Sci-fi book about people living in silos post-apocalyptic Earth. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's on Apple TV. I heard about that. Yes. Everyone said, so it's on, I saw I saw the trailer for it, and I said, that looks incredible. And then right at the end of the trailer, it says, based on the book, and I read like 40 pages of the book, and I was like, holy shit, this is amazing. So, yeah, there's a whole trilogy I can't wait to continue on. I just, I promised myself I wouldn't buy any more books. I, I had a bit of a book problem this year. And I need to read some of them before I buy myself new books. I had the same issue, and I'm like 25 books behind right now. They're all in a tote in the garage. Yes, 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 yes. They yes. need read really bad. Yeah, just I, sitting in there. I have a. I'm currently staring at a stack of nine that are completely unread, and then there's four on my nightstand next to my bed that are also completely unread. <laughs> yep, yep. So that's we 13 the same books. <laughs> 13 books that are I haven't even opened. I'm like, ah, oh, shit. I should do that. Usually we do best moment of the year and what the fuck moment of the year. And I didn't combine them, but I want to talk about them sort of in tandem because my what the fuck moment of the year was also one of my best moments of the year. But let's start with best moment of the year. And this is odd. This one's uh, going to be weird. It's going to confuse okay. you. But I went to the Cincinnati Zoo this year. I mean, it's it's widely known as a pretty darn good zoo. It's not it's no San Diego Zoo, but I've I heard it's a really 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 good one. enjoyed it. Yeah, I can't remember the last time I saw a giraffe in person. They're let fucking alone, wild creatures. Yeah. Man. They're so bizarre looking. Let alone walked through an open kangaroo enclosure. It's called like Kangaroo Land or whatever, and there's an attendant who like opens the door and lets you in and closes it behind you. And you just walk along this path with a bunch of probably sedated kangaroos just staring at you or something. Cause I've seen kangaroos can like fuck you up. Yeah. So I was like, you know, within like seven, eight feet of kangaroos. Um, they had hippos, they had lions. I mean, it's also the zoo where Harambe was shot. <laughs> okay. Did they have a memorial? They did. I got a picture of it. <laughs> Wonderful, wonderful. What was your best moment of the year? And you had uh, to, you have to pick one. I know you had a shitty year, <laughs> but you have to pick one. Oh, well, I, this was I'm actually kidding. pretty easy for me to pick. Okay. Um, me and my roommate, Eric, did a super wonderful trip to the Olympic Peninsula. And we did this hike. I, I went up to the uh, very cute park ranger lady and attempted to flirt with her, and she was not having it which is fine and i said suggest us a hike but we're both like decently fit i want to do a good 
like, please don't suggest us some like two mile hike filled with screaming and children on a. She paved. was like, "Whoa, I've never seen a blade of grass talk to me before." I know, and she was like, "Oh, oh my god, <laughs> you are sentient." I kind of just thought you were like a doll. Um, <laughs> and she suggested this hike. It was, but then I also think she was like tired of me saying dumb shit like that, so she just suggested a hike that was pretty damn hard. It was like sixteen and a half miles long. It was super exposed. We were above the tree line for the vast majority of the time. And the views we got when we got to the top were absolutely phenomenally gorgeous. There's glaciers up there. Um, It was so lovely and wonderful. And then we came down. It was a loop hike. We came down the other side of the ridge line to this like turquoise green mountain lake that Mm. was completely still. Mm. completely still and it had an island in the middle of it and me and eric took our shoes off and we dipped our feet in because our feet were hurting and we were tired and we were out of food and we were a little grumpy but the hike was winding down so we were okay and we just kind of sat there in quiet and peacefulness and a deer came out of the woods and started to swim to the island and swam all the way across and got up on the island and it was just lovely it was just phenomenally beautiful that was my moment of the year i loved every second of it that sounds beautiful I okay what was your <laughs> well <sorry. laughs> what you go fuck? first i think okay. our i think our moment might be the same oh i don't think so my what the fuck is george santos <laughs> oh not the same okay what the fuck uh, what the fuck is george santos what's that what god damn it he's a character from like a college student's like black box theater play <laughs> you just have great. to keep adding like information and, yes, and then your I teacher just... reads your play and they're like this doesn't make sense <laughs> this doesn't make sense and who is this character they are yeah yeah yeah. who worst. is this person that pops in and just keeps changing their backstory <laughs> yeah and says that they helped you know invent the covid vaccine or something it's like no you what what <laughs> um it's great that's my what the fuck it's george santos <laughs> Uh, you were here for my poultry geist moment of the year, which is not what I meant to say, but I was typing it. Uh, my what the fuck moment of the year is watching poultry geist night of the chicken dead. Hell yeah. That was almost my best moment of the year. Just so you know, it was, uh, it was up there for me. So each year the friends get together in the whitefish house. I'm sure we've talked about it on this podcast before. And each year I try to (laughs) make them watch something, uh, increasingly, out there, increasingly uncomfortable. Basically, I'm trying to uh, take the piss on my friends and, and make them have a bad time. And last year was Freddy Got Fingered. This year was uh, Poultry Geist Night of the Chicken Dead. And boy, oh boy, Freddy Got Fingered can't hold a candle to this. No, no, this was this was um, less tame for sure. Uh, Freddy Got Fingered operates within the confines of like a big budget studio comedy. And I feel weird saying that, but it's true when compared to like the low budget freak fest that poultry geist is. Um, if you, I, I honestly don't know if I would suggest, it depends on who you are. You take a good hard look at yourself and ask yourself if you're okay with like blatant racism, but by bad people somehow that justifies it. Not really. Blatant racism and some of the rowdiest body horror and gore you've ever seen. And if you can watch those and 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 be okay with it and laugh at it, then I actually think the movie is spectacularly amazing for what it is. Yeah, yeah. And it's not really trying to be anything it's not. But there's also some John Waters type moments 
Uh, you get a an obese man sitting on the toilet taking a shit. And then it cuts to a camera angle from within the toilet. And he is shitting onto the camera. Yep. And yep. that's the moment when Alex like grabbed my arm because he was laughing so hard. Yep. And he like couldn't handle it. Not because it was funny. It was more like laughing in disbelief. Completely unbelievable that I saw that man's like poopy butthole open up <laughs> onto the camera. And then if that's not enough. He finishes like taking the shit of his life and his body opens and a small skinny man pops out and just like uh, completely covered in blood. He like crawls out of the skin of this larger man and then runs away and it is never brought up ever again. They don't talk about it. No one discusses it. People just turn into like chicken zombies. It's wild. Someone dies in that movie because a broom is shoved up their butt and through the front of them, through their penis, and that's how they (laughs) die. But then they are a recurring character as a zombie, and they're just stuck with a broom handle for, like, a penis, and they get, like, stuck on door frames and stuff like that. And the head of the penis stays on the end of the broom. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) I, it's, it's so much. It's so much to process. I got, I I was, like, sweating by the end of it. It's uh, wild. Uh, yeah, definitely sweating. Alex, what was your newest obsession this year? My newest obsession was uh, mountain biking, which is funny because it was used to be an obsession of mine for a very long time when I was a kid. And I had a lot of injuries and I hurt myself a lot. And I stopped mountain biking. And this year I treated myself to a brand spanking new mountain bike and told myself I would just take it easy. I'm 30 don't go nuts. And that's exactly what I did. And holy cow, I just had such a blast. I kind of like reclaimed some of my youth. I got in good shape. I got outside. I saw things that I wouldn't be able to see normally or just hiking. Cause you know, on a mountain bike, I could do 25, 30 miles in a day, which is a long, big day, but I could still do it. It was, ah, I just want to go mountain biking more. Nice. I love that. Um, this isn't so much as uh, an obsession as it is like justifying a previous obsession. And I want to say that it was the year of Mario. It had a yeah. movie, which was a lot of fun to watch. And then within the last like three months, Super Mario Wonder and Super Mario RPG, both on the Switch. And I played both games all the way through and I enjoyed the hell out of them. Is I thought Super, Super Mario, Mario R- Wonder. Is Super ahead. Mario RPG rad? It seems rad. It is rad. Yeah. It's, um, It's a remake of an SNES Super Mario RPG. So it has some of the like simplification of games back then. You know, there's not a lot of like, like it's not like RPGs now where you can like customize like 19 different stats every time you like pop up a level. Um, Nintendo released it originally back in the day to compete with Final Fantasy because Final Fantasy was doing like super well. And it was the first real game franchise that ever competed with Mario was Final Fantasy, and Nintendo freaked out, and they said, well, we'll we'll release our own, essentially Final Fantasy, but with all the Mario characters, and I just think it's so cool. Yeah, and they did a good job. It's it's a lot more simple. It's kind of like Baby's first RPG, but um, like all Mario games, there's more under the surface if you're willing to look for it, and that's exactly what I did with Super Mario Wonder, which I am one level shy of completing like 100 percent um i really have never done that in a mario game before but i have 
found almost everything and there's some hard as shit levels in there it's more of a traditional like 2d platformer but it it's super fun i really really like it nice wonderful jacob what was your uh, go fuck yourself of the year usually i have like a specific one um this year i'm just gonna say everyone and everything cool because i am grumpy and irritable all the time and I recently spoke to my doctor about upping my antidepressants and the person (laughs) who, uh, like asks the questions, you know, like zero to three, uh, how much have you been irritable in the last week? And I (laughs) I said three, because the night before I had gone to a band concert of my cousins and Mm. I just had to sit amongst, uh, the commoners of Lewistown, um, just completely disrespectful ranchers and their housewives who were like talking loudly and chewing like gum loudly there was a woman on zillow during the band concert and i came home so frustrated that i just went to bed early because i knew i couldn't do anything about it yeah 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 uh okay go fuck yourself to everybody i love that everyone everything i'm hoping next year's better um mine's mine's a fake one but i just wanted to get it in there and then a real one my fake go fuck it's not fake but it's just uh is henry kissinger go fuck yourself rip and yeah piss, boo shithole um but my actual go fuck yourself of the year is uh my old boss <laughs> um he was the source of i was taking a drink right there and i spit some of it back into my water bottle when you said <laughs> that just so you know <laughs> um he was the source of a lot of my anxiety and unhappiness this basically whole summer and it ended with him just straight up being one of the worst bosses I've ever had in my life. And like um, denying my – like gaslighting me, I guess, is a, is a perfect – like straight gaslighting up saying – Gaslighting you and then destroying your work physically. Yes. Yes. Physically destroying some of the projects I was working on. I mean like with his hands and destroying them and then gaslighting me into st- – I, w- I was out. Go fuck yourself, my old boss. Yeah, and the boss before that too. Yeah, that one also. But this one in particular, <laughs> this I I'm really happy I'm not working there right now. I know I, I I don't have a job right now, but it is super the right choice. Good. I'm glad. Uh, I want you to know that every time I see my grandparents, they ask if you've found a job yet. Oh, that's okay. I'm getting it from like 65 different angles, so uh, it's annoying. Great. Uh, you getting getting gang banged about jobs? <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I applied to three today, actually. Nice. Love it. Uh, Main attraction, right, Alex? Yeah, I mean, this is the big one. This is what the people come here for. This is what they listen to the podcast for. It is our top albums of 2023. Uh, Do the song again. I don't know. I panicked right there. I couldn't... (laughs) Should I do Spongebob? Yeah. Introducing Krabby Patty. Now, really quick. Yeah. I had a really hard time getting down to 10. Can I tell you my 15 through 11 before we start at 10? I have an 11, so we can start at 11 because I couldn't cut it down to 10. Let me tell you 15 through 12 really quick. Okay. Number 15, The Marvelous 3, and the album is called 4. Butch Walker had a band in the 90s called The Marvelous 3, and they just made Power Pop, and they had a minor hit called Freak of the Week. You might remember it if you oh, look I it up. Oh, I do remember that song. Yeah, yeah, now I remember that song. Yeah, 
they released a new album this year, and it's good. Number 14, Olivia Rodrigo, Guts. It's good. I don't know. It's more of the same, and I like it. Kind of angsty, angsty girl pop? Yeah, angsty girl pop with a little bit of a pop punk edge to it. Nice. Uh, number 13, this might shock you, Alex. The Hives, The Death of Randy Fitzsimmons. Oh, that's pretty high up on my list. <laughs> yeah, I really, really liked it when it came out. It was going to be in like my top five, and then a bunch of good music came out in like October. Uh, really, really love like four or five tracks off of it, like love them, and then the rest I don't listen to. <laughs> the the very first track on that album is so good, dude. Yeah, Bogus Operandi rules. Yeah, it rules. Uh, also, The Bomb. He a bomb, she a bomb, we a bomb, we a bomb. Uh, number 12, 100 delete, Gex, 10,000 Gex. Okay. Because I thought that was going to be higher on your list. I thought you really I enjoyed it. thought so too. I do really enjoy it. But again, there's like four songs on there I really, really love and then a bunch that I skip. Uh, however, they made themselves so much more accessible. I can't believe it. Like there's riffs on the album. Yes. Uh, there's actual like hooks and I don't know. They did a really good job. And now begins the actual countdown. If Well, real quick, real quick. Sorry. <sighs> Go. <laughs> if any of your friends tell you to listen to 100 Gex, start with their newest album and then yes. go backwards. Start with the song Hollywood Baby. And if you like that, then work your way into them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Don't start with the first album. There are good songs on the first album. However, it is a lot more abrasive. Yeah. Uh, it, it is, yeah, it is harder to swallow. Number 11 for me, The Main. Uh, that's the title of the album. That's also the title of the band. They've been a really consistent band now for about a decade. Just each album is just like good pop rock. I don't know. It's catchy. It's got some cool guitar parts and the lyrics are relatable. I definitely have heard of them for quite a long time. It's funny to me that they're just now coming out with a self-titled album. Yeah. They started as like a cheesy pop punk band in the 2000s. Yeah. And had a bunch of songs about like girls and stuff. And uh I want to say it was like 2016 they dropped an album that was basically like Third Eye Blind Worship, and people really ate it up, and that sort of rejuvenated their career. Nice, nice. All right. Uh, my number 11 is USA by Petey. Oh, good album. Um, I absolutely loved it. Jacob, you were actually the first one to show it to me. That's why it just squeaked in at number 11, because I didn't listen to it probably as much as I should have, even though it came it out a lot earlier than when I yeah. finally listened to it. It's my number seven. Oh, nice. Yep. I. It's like more songy and and I don't, I'm not as good at this as you are, like melodic than some of PD's songs are like borderline spoken word poems. And this is this is a lot more musically cool as well as still being a pd album i loved it and it kind of edgy at some points a little little hard hard undertones there it was really good really i really really like the lyrics i think he reined it in a little bit um 
and he massaged his vocal style a lot. Uh, a lot of his earlier songs are just like him shouting, uh, yeah. you know, in a, in a tune, but this time he's actually singing. Uh, I listened to this album last night with my like noise canceling headphones on and just like blissed out. It was so nice. Yeah. Um, and one of my favorite lines is from the song. I tried to draw a straight line, uh, which is my sanity is dependent on my brain being limited. And yeah. I actually think that might be from home alone house now that I say that, but either way, PD USA, great album. Your number 11, my number seven. All right. And my number 10 is suburban legend by Dury. This album sounds like a bunch of, not a bunch, a brother and sister who grew up with pop punk made an album for now. Yeah, Grew up with like Blink and Sum 41 and stuff like that and they made an album now. It's fun. It's, it just kind of, kind of goes. It's a a little rocky. It's, it's great. I have so much fun listening to it. I like I like singing along with all these songs. It's yeah. not complicated. Every single song's in 4-4. I don't care. It's so much fun. You showed it to me uh, a couple months ago, and it didn't make my list, but I do like it. Yeah. Um, fun story real quick, too. You showed me a video, and we were like, wow, the girl in this band is way more attractive than the guy. And I went, are they together? And you went, yeah, I think so. And we both were like, how? And we looked it up. They are brother and sister. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So Dury, the band Dury, if you're listening to this, sorry about that, but yep. we played Siblings Are Dating and we got it wrong. Yeah, we did. <laughs> <laughs> what was your number 10, Alex? That was my number 10. What was your number 10? Oh, shit. Uh, my number 10 is History Books by the Gaslight Anthem. You're you're really throwing it back here with these first couple oh, ones. Pop punk uh, revival really got me this year. Uh, yeah. People are like bands that broke up have gotten back together. Uh, Marvelous Three broke up and they got back together this year. Boys Like Girls, who did not make my list, but it released a good album, they got back together. And finally, the Gaslight Anthem got back together and they made a respectable effort. You know, it's just yeah. good. It's like none of their best songs are on it, but like all of the songs are good. And it sounds like Autumn, which is think I think is why I played it a bunch. And in fact, they have a song called Autumn on there. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, but I just, it's a nice driving album. I play it when I'm like rolling along. Uh, if I have Floyd with me in the car, he likes it. So yeah, I, I don't know. I like it. The lyrics are a little more grown up at this time, and um, I don't know. It's just the Gaslight Anthem doing their thing, and, and it's still good. Yeah, uh, well, they've, they've always been good. Yeah. Number nine. Speaking of pop punk revival, Blink-182, One More Time. Tom is back in the band, folks. Tom's back, baby. Tom's back. He brought some good songs with him. Uh, I mostly enjoy this album because they sound energized again. I wouldn't say that it's like their best effort, but it is imminently listenable. You can throw it on, listen all the yes. way through. There's really not a bad song on there. There are some like lesser songs, but 
Uh, they just did a good job. I, I, I think they've got some juvenile lyrics on there, but they've got some like grown up ones, you know, as well. Mark had cancer. Uh, Travis, you know, got in an airplane wreck. Tom was f- trying to find aliens. Yeah. And they talk about those things and, and how they're glad that life brought them back together to create more music. And I'm glad that that happened as well. My number nine is Playing Robots Into Heaven by James Blake. Oh, interesting. I didn't even know you listened to this album. Um, So good. Uh, James Blake will be featured again on this list. Um, I, so James Blake has one of the smoothest, most like comforting voices I've ever heard. And then I didn't know that he got his start in like sort of down tempo house music. And I got really into Fred again, who didn't release an album that made this list this year. Other, otherwise, he we would talk about Fred again. But through my love of Fred again, I found someone was like, oh, James Blake released an album. And it's not like R&B soul like he's been on. It is back to his sort of house roots, this like down tempo mm. house stuff. Mm. And it's so good. It's so lovely to listen to. I've been writing a lot because I don't have a job. And... It's what I listen to when I write. I, I I love it. And James Blake does sing on it, and I just think his voice is so beautiful. If I could sing like anyone, it might be James Blake. I'll have to listen to it. I truthfully was bored by his last couple releases, and so sure. this sounds a little more of my speed. Yes, and and you're right in saying that. <laughs> they they're really sleepy kind of albums, and this isn't. Uh, but it's still again, don't. It's not gonna like blow your butt off or anything like that. But it's 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 really really nice and lovely. Uh, my number eight. So, okay. This, if I can get emotional for just a, a hot second. Um, I used to really be into electronic music uh, when I was a, a young, an elder teenager and sort of my early 20s. But I only listened to electronic music while I was doing drugs and abusing substances left and right. And I kind of thought the only reason I liked electronic music was because I was doing those substances. And in the past couple of years when I've been good, I would hear electronic music and it would actually bring up some sort of like negative emotions in that like, oh, this just reminds me of all the times I, you know, abused substances and was on drugs and was listening to this kind of music. But sl- like this year has been reclaiming that for myself and telling myself that I do actually like electronic music and I can listen to it and have a blast and have a great time and no substances are in my body. Um, and that has been one of the most musically has been really, really good for me. It's been a lot of like healing and growth that I can look back on those times and not have like really, really negative emotions, uh, associated with electronic music. I'm happy to hear that. I'm glad you're reclaiming it for yourself. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So my number eight is a drum and bass album by British DJs Chase and Status. Uh, It's called Too Rough Volume One. I played you one song on our road trip. I liked it. it It's called Badadan. Badadan, Badadan, Badadan. Bad from me, bad. Where you get your badda from? Thing where me get. Love it. My number eight 
also has no skips. It's uh, Calling the Dogs by Citizen. I played you a couple tracks off of it. Yeah, yeah. On our road trip. Yeah. I would say some of the albums I've named before this in the list have higher highs, but this one I can just play all the way through. Last time I was in Missoula for, you know, kind of the turn of fall, I was bumping this in my headphones and just walking around looking at the leaves, and that's kind of how it snuck into my list. I, I quite enjoy it. Yeah. And my number seven is PD USA. We talked about that already. What was your number seven, Alex? My number seven is, and I can't believe this dude would ever even touch my top 10 in my entire life. And yet here we are. It's Let's Start Here by Lil Yachty. It's like side trance, like getting high as fuck, guitar music. It's bizarre, and it yeah, like psychedelic. So so well, it's yeah, so it's good. good. Lil Yachty just uses his voice as an instrument. I don't give a fuck what his lyrics are. It's so ah uh, uh, man. It's I'd want to do just that. I want to just smoke a joint, sit in a hammock, and listen to the whole album. That's all I want to do when I hear this album. It's great. It is. I I really like that one, and it didn't make my list, but it's. A blast to listen to. Uh, some of the songs are a little more exciting than others, but uh, the opening, the Black Seminole, great Black song. Seminole. Oh, fuck yeah, that song rules. My number six, The Dirty Nil, Free Reign to Passions. Okay, that was my number four. So. Canadian rock band, The Dirty Nil, return with an album of more of the same. Good thing I like it that way. Uh, yeah. just big riffs, big choruses and big energy. Yeah. I, I listened, I think I listened to it first and I was like, I loved it. It sounds like the last album. And Jacob was a little hesitant about it initially. And then you said, you just listened to it more and more. And you're like, actually it is just more the same. They didn't reinvent themselves, but who cares? It's great. It works so well the last time. Yeah, exactly. It is, uh, more the same. They have a new bassist who screams more than the last one. And so I kind of enjoyed that harder edge and much like a lot of bands who keep making the album, same album over and over with more time, you start to recognize the subtle differences. You know, there are a few in this album compared to the last one, but I, it's just a lot of fun. There's some big like eighties hair metal riffs. And then there's just like some more like pop punky traditional songs. Yeah. Absolutely. My number six with Death of Randy Fitzsimmons. So, yeah. Uh, my number five is Louie by Kenny Beats. An instrumental album Kenny Beats has produced a lot for some lesser known artists. Um, I mean, I guess his most known artist that he's produced for is probably Vince Staples, but outside of that, like it kind of falls off a cliff. It's it's like Paris, Texas and um, other people in whatever Paris, Texas's lane is. And he released a album of just beats he's made for himself. And there it's just instrumental. It's so lovely. I, I just, he's got such a good, like warm vibe to all of his beats and, and these songs 
it makes me feel happy. It makes me feel um, almost like hugged in a weird way. Is that a weird thing to say? No, not at all. I, uh, you played me some of this on our road trip and I, I really liked it. Yeah, I could just, I just kind of, uh, same along with Let's Start Here by Lil Yachty. I just kind of like drift away to this album and I, I really enjoy it. He worked on a song with Joji, uh, Denzel Curry, Vince yeah. Staples. He yeah. produced Crawler by Idols. Kind of those um, alty, yeah, borderline aggressive. Crawler by Idols is like a punk album, but there's definitely hip hop influences from Idols. So this, this all cool. checks out. Yeah. My number five, Caroline Polacek, Desire, I Want to Turn Into You. Bunny is a rider, satellite can find her, no sympathy, ain't nothing for free. Everyone who knows me knows I love girl pop, and this is <laughs> yeah. some of the best of the year. She's got a wild voice that she can go from like operatic to just like normal singing to like throat singing, and she uses it all. Mixed with like some really cool production. Um, I really like the album. Check out the song Bunny is a Rider if you want to get into it. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I quite liked it. Uh, you you played me that song and I really enjoyed it. Um, I, I also enjoyed that she kept... Is that her real last name? Yeah, Polachek. I, I appreciate that it's a difficult last name and she just kept it. Uh, yeah, she also just did a tiny desk and did a good job. So that's a good place to start as well. Excellent, excellent. And she does some of her weird vocal stuff in the tiny desk. Uh, the other thing I like, Alex, and this is weird, but I just want to talk about it. She's 38, and I think that's cool. I think we need more older pop stars. I don't need all of my music to come from, like, 19-year-olds. My number four, Meet Me at the Altar, Past, Present, Future. Now, this is a sort of pop-punk revival album, but by a band that was not around for pop-punk. Like, they grew up on it. And I have been pretty vocal about how much I hate people making new pop-punk. I don't think that Machine Gun Kelly is good. I don't like water parks. You know, there's a lot of people, I think, that are making bad new pop-punk. I think Meet Me at the Altar is making good new pop-punk. All of the songs are catchy as hell. All of them... Like the production is not like big and blown out. It has like real sounding drums in it. And it's again, an emphasis on catchy as hell. Like every song gets stuck in my head at various points during the week. And uh, bonus, it's three women. And so I think that's cool. Yeah. I like them a lot. All right. My number three. Again, my number four was just free reign to passion. Dirty now. My number three is Michael. By Killer Mike. Best rap album I've heard in a long, long time. Um, I shouldn't. I hyped it up, and it lived up to expectations. Does that make sense? I don't think very. Yeah, that's very the rarely. best that when that happens. <laughs> that, that doesn't happen. Um, it is political. It is cool. It is smooth. Killer Mike talks about what he knows and what he's lived through. Anytime in the album he refers to God, the only pronouns he uses to refer to God is she. It's awesome. He talks about losing his mom and his grandma. He talks about political things that are messed up in Atlanta. 
It has Andre 3000 actually rapping on it, although I really don't want to shit on Andre 2000's flute album. I think that's amazing, but Andre 3000 raps on it, and it's great. <laughs> the best um, part of the Andre flute album is the title of track one, which is like, I swear to God, I really tried to make a rap album, but this is just the way the wind blew me. I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, um, I, that, that should get an honorable mention just for all the people that like, oh, Andre 3K dropped an album. What is it? And they're like, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> like new age flute music. <laughs> yeah, like dreamy, uh, ethereal flute music. Um, man, I loved Killer Mike. And then the the second to last song does have LP on it. So you get a, just a little bit of Run the Jewels and they have like fun with that song. You can tell it's 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 great. I love that album. Cool. My number three, Pop Punk Revival, baby. Taking Back Sunday's 152. Good Lord, man. You're just, you're stacking them up here. Now, I have always liked Taking Back Sunday. In the past, I have put them in lists and felt embarrassed like a year later. However, this album might have the most plays for me of all the albums this year because yeah. it is 10 tracks long. It is like 32 minutes. Every song is catchy. And I don't know. They just really knocked it out of the park on this one. They like focused on like what they do best, added a few new things to the sound and just like moved forward. Number two, girl pop, not pop punk. This is Ray. My 21st Century Blues. Sleezing and teasing, I'm sitting on him. All of my diamonds are dripping on him. I met him at the bar, I was 12 or something. I ordered two more wines, because tonight I want him. A little context. It sort of oscillates between, like, R&B pop music and, like, jazzy R&B. There's a couple, like, songs that kind of sound like they have a big band, but she's very... Of the moment, she sings a lot about uh, doing drugs, drinking alcohol, making bad decisions, and she's charming as hell. I don't know. <laughs> I really love this album. I introduced my sister to it. She really loves the album. And Ray also just released a tiny desk not that long ago. So check that out if you want an introduction into Ray. Other than that, I really love the song Black Mascara, which is sort of electronic. And then... Um, Five Star Hotels is my sister's favorite Ray song, which is pretty good. And it's it's a good album. I think you would actually like some of it, Alex. Yeah, it was on both of your, like, whatever, Apple Music wrapped, whatever the fuck you little yes. losers <laughs> call your shit. Um, yeah. And I was like, I've never even heard of this album. So I, I definitely need to check it out. My number two is the soundtrack to Across the Spider-Verse. Yeah, by, there you go. By Metro Boomin. If he ain't me, he's just a creepy crawler, touch the spider lighter. Pull up in a new Ferrari spider. Spider web necklace with the diamonds. You turn the spider woman up a biter. I will not go back and forth. If I never told you it was a soundtrack to Spider-Man and you just listened to it, you would think it's a fantastic compilation album by a bunch of different artists. Uh, half of it's like rap and half of it's like soul and R&B. Um, by far the two best songs on the album are both James Blake's songs. They are Hummingbird and Nonviolent Communication. Holy cow, they're so smooth. They're so lovely. There's not quite the high that was Sunflower, you know, with Post Malone. Sure, yeah. Off the first one. But as a complete 
work of art. It's fantastic. I wish, I wish more people would give it a chance. And I, you don't need to watch the movie at all. Just listen to the album. It's so cool. Uh, it's fantastic. Metro Boomin is the producer. He's the one that assembled all of it. Uh, he did such a fantastic job. And he makes a little cameo in the movie. Oh, that's cool. Do you want to guess what my number one is? Um, I think your number one uh, is... No, I don't know. You listen to a lot of a band called matches or something this year, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. The matches are from the mid two thousands. Um, they, uh, I discovered them late last year. So I think that's why they popped up on my wrapped this year. They are sort of a theatrical pop punk band, uh, kind of like my chemical romance. If they had a little more panic at the disco in them, (laughs) Gotcha. (laughs) which I know sounds like a band you don't want to listen to Alex. But what was your number one? No, I got nothing. Pop Punk Revival, Fallout Boy, so much for Stardust. That's your number one? You liked it that much? I really liked it. I think Fallout Boy has returned with their best album since 2008. I like it a lot. There's a couple songs on there that are my favorite Fallout Boy songs since I was a child, like since 2008. And. I don't know, man. They put live drums back in and there's guitars and there's some fun like orchestration and there's like the signature fallout boy cheesiness. Like Pete Wentz has an interlude where he does like his shitty little poems and it's just <laughs> everything I needed out of a fallout boy album this year. Uh, but you didn't like the, we didn't start the fire. I don't like that. It's not on the album. They released oh, that after the album. Oh, I was okay. I was confused. Yeah, they there. updated. Uh, we didn't start the fire, and they say George Floyd blown away in it, and I don't like it. Okay, <laughs> can you guess my? I think you can. I'm I'm drawing a blank, man. Like, it's is it Foo Fighters? No goodness, no. Um, okay, along the lines of yours being Fall Out Boy, it's hilarious, and this. This album really kicked off me reclaiming electronic music. It is Quest for Fire by Skrillex. I think a lot of people out there are going to hear me say the word Skrillex and think, you know, like scary monsters and nice sprites. Uh, He is like an adult with a wife and children. Uh, he doesn't make dubstep anymore. Is he, that what you're saying? It's it's not. It is electronic music. I'm not here to tell you it isn't, but that it is so refined and so listenable. And at the same, there are some songs that are pretty experimental and out there. And man, I this is easily the album I listened to the most this year. I when I was in the woodshop, when I was working in the woodshop, I had to have loud music so it would drown out the saws and stuff and i listen to this album so much uh i can i love it missy elliott's on it um yeah it's great i no no complaints it's skrillex's first full album in like six years or something like that five years five years um he crushed it he crushed it and i encourage you to listen to it i almost wish he would change his name so that i can stop saying skrillex and everyone just like (laughs) kind of kind of cringes and i go yeah, he's like, he, I think he's like 39 or 40 now. Like, you should listen to it. Yeah, yeah. He was in a pop punk band before he was Skrillex, too. He has a clip of of 
the Warp Tour of 2006's Warp Tour, 2007's Warp Tour. And it's an interview uh, with Pete Wentz and Sonny, which is Skrillex's name. And they're just just like teenagers. I, I think um, I think from Under the Court Tree, it just came out. And the interview is just like Pete talking about how like they, they made it. They don't have to sleep on couches anymore. And uh, Sonny just talks about how he hopes that's him one day. And then the song goes into this like tribute. And it's called I'm Still Here with the Ones That I Came Here With. And, and it's just about all his friends and stuff like that. It's really lovely. Aww. It's really cool. That's cute. I like that. Uh, I'll have to listen to it. I didn't, but I knew it existed. Um, and I also listened to the Fred again and Brian Eno album and talk about James Blake, man. That one. Yeah. Uh, that one is uh, smooth, <laughs> if that's yeah. what you want to call it. I don't totally, know. <laughs> totally. I, it's just like melts in your mouth. I wanted to put that on here, but um, I just, it wasn't as good as Fred again's other stuff. And Fred again is ramping up for a new album. Um, that'll come out next year, and I bet that makes the list, gang. Yeah, I bet it does. Dua Lipa's got a new one out next year too, so see that on my list next year. And before idols. we, idols, oh, and idols coming out. Yeah, next yeah. Year. Ooh, I'm excited. Before we wrap this up, Alex, give me one thing you hope happens for you or to you in 2024. Um, how big picture do we want? I hope I will go. I'll go for it. I hope I gain. A little bit, uh, a clearer view of the future. Sure. And I know nobody nobody has the answers, but um, like just 31 seems doable, but that's because I'm only four months away from it. But 32, like I can't even fathom that. And I would like to maybe at least fathom 32. Yeah, absolutely. What about you? Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. I would love a little bit of direction. I don't hate my job, but it's not what I want to be doing for the rest of my life. I don't want to live in my parents' house forever, nor do I want to live in my hometown forever. So I am being extremely picky with where I go and what kind of amenities I live in uh, because I I messed that up this year. So I'm I'm hoping next year is sort of a rebuilding year and... Like you said, I'm, I'm hoping next year offers me a little clarity so that I can see a few years down the line and what that looks like. I, I, I like that. Small picture, I hope your pee-pee gets touched next year. Yeah, yeah. Small picture, I want uh, my pee-pee really to be touched. Really small. Micro, micro picture. <laughs> uh, micro picture, I want my pee-pee to be touched. Well, that's the 2023 awards, everybody. Check back next year for the 2024 <laughs> Uh, maybe we'll do this again. I don't know. Uh, maybe we'll have other episodes next year. Who knows? The future is unwritten. All right. Uh, bye, everybody. <laughs> bye. Bye.